Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. You're listening to part two of our series, Next. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. It's funny, I was, I was just asking the Lord this week because I had my message prepped and I just felt like it was a word from the Lord. Um, and then all this, this crazy stuff started happening. And so I just, I asked and I just like, was God, like, God, like, do I need to change my message? Like, do I need to preach something about fear? And I just felt the Lord say back that you guys have heard enough about fear. It's time to hear about some faith. Come on, somebody. And so this morning, I want to preach about faith. And uh, we're going to be looking at a story in Luke chapter 9. And this is a famous story. The disciples have just been sent out by Jesus. And now they're coming back. In Luke chapter 9, it says this. It says, when the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going and they followed him. He welcomed them and he taught them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so you can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. Send them away, Jesus. But Jesus said, you feed them. But they replied, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Or are you expecting us to go out and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. Then he looked up towards heaven and blessed them, breaking the loaves into pieces. Then he kept giving bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate. Come on, somebody. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Come on, let's clap our hands. Thank you so much, worship team. I want to give you guys the title of our message this morning. Uh, It's part two in our series called Next. Our title is A New Equation. A New Equation. Uh, For those of you guys uh, who are new to church or with us last week, we are kind of in the midst of a series now. We're in the second week of our brand new series here at church that we're calling Next. And if you're with us last week, our, our big thing that we talked about was Ephesians 2, chapter 10, that said, you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you. That was kind of our big theme last week. And what we said was that because God is good, because God says that you are a masterpiece, God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. Come on. Now, this morning, what I want to do is I want us to take the next step further. We understand that God has a next for us, and the reason he has a next for us is because he's a good father, because he views us in such a way. But what I want to do more specifically this morning is I want to dig in into what exactly next is for us in our lives, and in our church. And now what you need to understand, if you're new to our church, we are a church that makes a lot of noise. Come on, somebody. And so what that means, when I'm up here, you can respond, you can laugh, you can clap your hands, because the coronavirus does not affect any of those things. (laughs) Except if you laugh too hard, then you might spit. But I digress. Faith, we're talking about faith this morning. Um, I want to take, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, But yeah, we're going to go a little bit deeper this morning uh, as we continue part two of our series. So um, I have a question for you guys. And if if you guys know this, um, I consider myself sort of a skeptical person by nature. Um, Is there anyone out there you would consider yourself kind of skeptical? Yeah, a few of us. Um, I'm skeptical. And it's, it's, 
uh, it's really difficult to be skeptical in the world that we live in now, right? Because like we are bombarded with information and it's really hard to know what's true, what's false, what's fact, uh, what's fiction. And, and so um, it's interesting, about three weeks ago, I went to Costco. And the reason I went to Costco was because we were kind of running low on toilet paper. Um, and so I needed to go pick some up. And so I went to Costco. And understand this. This is before the crazy. And so I went there. And um, it was really weird. But Costco was sold out of toilet paper. And so I was like very confused. Because I've never seen Costco sold out of anything. But now, mind you, this is three weeks ago. Where things aren't where they are now. And so I didn't really think much of it. I went home. Uh, and... Then as the weeks progressed and the news, you guys have all watched the news, everyone starts talking about the toilet paper running low. Uh, but just, again, by my skeptical nature, I was like, I don't really believe it. Um, I'm sure there's toilet paper somewhere. And so, like any good person, we waited until we were on our last roll. And so, uh, last Sunday, we were on our very last roll. And I'll let you know something, it's a pretty stressful time when you're on your last roll. <laughs> But again, I wasn't sure like what's true, what's false. Um, and so I went to, to save on behind our house because I'm like, whatever, like there's for sure toilet paper behind my house. Um, went to save on the shelves were completely empty. Went to Walmart. It was World War III. Packed, no toilet paper. We went to Superstore, shelves completely barren. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's literally no toilet paper in this city. Like this is crazy. Now, thankfully, like my mom has been stocking up before it was cool. And um, <laughs> she had some toilet paper at her house that we could borrow. Um, but it, <laughs> she's not getting it back <laughs> that we could have. <laughs> it's not reusable. We don't go that way. Um, and so that kind of saved us. But it was funny because my skeptical nature... Right? Like it almost brought us into a situation. And, and that's kind of just like the world that we live in right now with like, I don't know what's fact, I don't know what's fiction, I don't know what I'm supposed to believe. And so it's fine to be skeptical, but then there's this part of us where like, well, what, we might actually miss out things that are extremely important. Uh, and now, you may think that I'm going one way, but I'm not, because I told you I'm preaching about faith this morning. Um, I want to actually relate this to our spiritual lives and what this means to us when it comes to God, when it comes to our walk with God. You see, here's what I believe to be true. I believe that God has a next for each and every one of us. I believe that God has a plan, God has a purpose for our lives, and I just, I felt this so heavy in my spirit this week that God has a plan for this church, God has a plan for the people in this church that is so big, so crazy that we could not even fathom it. We can barely even begin to believe it, despite everything that's happening, I felt that this week. But what's interesting though is I think that when it comes to this idea of skepticism, our world is so skeptical, I think that it creeps into our faith life. Anyone ever been there? It's like, man, we know that God has made us a promise. We know that God wants good things for us. But then there's just this, there's this, this skeptical side of us where it's like, well, I'm not really sure it's going to come to pass. I'm not really sure the things that God wants to happen. I'm not really sure the things that God wants to do. I'm just, I'm just skeptical. And I just, I just began to, to think this week and to wonder, like, man, I wonder what we're missing out for, of in our lives because of our own skepticism. I wonder how many of us have blocked out the things that God wants to do because we're not exactly sure if we can believe it. Anyone been there before? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to show us what I believe that God has for us, the word that I believe God has for us, whether you're here this morning, whether you're sick and you're watching this later, I just believe that this word is for you. 
And so we're in Luke chapter 9. We read the whole story, and I want us to see the whole story, but I want to go back to the story because I think that there are so many things in there, little intricacies that we may have missed. And so we read the story, but now I want us to understand the story. Now, if you've been in church for any parts of your life, you may have heard this story before. It's a famous story, the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's found in every single gospel. Um, We're going to be primarily in Luke this morning. And I'll give you guys a little context again what is happening. Jesus has sent out his disciples. He sent them out, and he's just basically, he's been with them for a while. He says, okay, you go, preach the good news, talk about God, and heal people, all this stuff. And so eventually, the people all come back together. The disciples come back, they're with Jesus, and so um, it's been a hectic time, and so the disciples are kind of like, all right, like, let's just go retreat somewhere, let's go rest, let's go recuperate. Everyone following? That's where we are. And what it says in verse 11 is that the, but the crowds found out where he, speaking of Jesus, was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Now, here's what I want us to see. If we understand everyone who had gone out, they're all back together, they were just trying to find a place to retreat. What I want us to understand is that for the disciples and for Jesus himself, this was an inconvenient time. Because he was tired. They were tired. Understand this. Jesus is fully God, but at this time, he's also fully human. And so Jesus experienced fatigue in the same way you and I experience fatigue. And so this, for Jesus, was an inconvenient time. This, for the disciples, was an inconvenient time. But the Bible says the crowds found them. It says found them because they actually had to search for them. But I love this. In the midst of this inconvenience, we learn three things. It says that Jesus welcomed them, he taught them, and he healed them. Look at this. In a time where it was inconvenient for Jesus, in a time where he wanted to do something else, he still received the people, he taught the people, and he healed the people. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you how this relates to us right now. I want you guys to know that whatever you're going through right now, you may think to yourself, well, I'm not sure that God has time for me. I'm not sure if God can hear my prayers. Guess what? There is no inconvenient time for God when it comes to you. The Father is always available. His arms are always open wide. Come on. He healed. He received. And he taught them. Now understand this, this is a picture of the Father and the love that God has for us, but also more practically in this moment, Jesus is setting the example for his disciples. And he's setting the example for us as well. And the example is this, when it comes to the needs of people, when it comes to the plans, when it comes to the calling that God has on our lives, it's not always going to be a convenient time. It's not always going to be a time where you're like, man, I'm just ready for this. This is perfect. A lot of times what happens in our lives and the greatest callings that God has, when God wants to do something, it's going to come as a personal inconvenience to us. But God still has a plan and God still has a calling. And so Jesus, we have this picture for us, but he's also trying to show the disciples something. He's showing them something. But let's look at the disciples' response. They say this. It says, late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. I love one translation of the Bible. It says, as as the day drew weary. You guys know that time of day? Kind of like after lunches, before, and like you just kind of like you're tired. (laughs) You just like getting hit with that itis and you just kind of fall asleep type thing. And, And so this is the time of day it was. 
And so as far as we know, no one has eaten anything. The disciples, they're tired, they're hungry, they're probably hangry. Come on, who's been hangry before? We've all all been there. And so the disciples, and have you guys ever been with people and like you didn't want to be with people anymore and so you kind of have to find an excuse to send them away? Like they've, they've overstayed their welcome. Like, hello, lunch ended. And so the disciples, I I think they're at this moment where like, okay, this is no longer convenient to us. Jesus, let's send them away. Let's just send them away. And I think if we're honest, all of us have done this before. All of us had points of time where things are inconvenience to us. And so it's like, man, the easiest thing is just to send people away. But I just have this belief that a lot of times in life, the calling that God has for our life will come at an inconvenient time. It's going to come at a time when it would be easier for us to give up. It would be easier for us to stop. So here's the point that I want us to make. Because I just believe this. God has a plan for us. God has a next for us. God has something he wants to do for your life. But in order for us to get there, we're going to have to put comfort behind calling. But what happens for so many of us is we put comfort before calling. What I mean by that is that we know we're supposed to do something. But if it comes as an inconvenience to us, we don't do it. I'm going to be honest right here. When I read this story, if Jesus no longer had a purpose for the crowd or the people, he would have sent them away. Jesus would have been the one to do it. But the fact that it was the disciples lets us know that he still had a plan. He still had a purpose for them. But the disciples are like, man, I just, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Come on, can can we just be honest for a second? Have any of us in our lives ever had a time where you felt like you were supposed to do something? You felt called to do something, but it came at a great inconvenience to you, and so you didn't do something? Anyone been there? It's like, man, I felt like I was supposed to call that person. I felt like I was supposed to text that person, but, man, it just wasn't a good time for me. I I just wasn't in a place. I was hungry. I was sad, and, and we have these callings. And I'd like to say it's never happened to me before, but it's happened to me many times where I've pushed off the urge of God because my comfort came before my calling. It, it reminds me a few months back, um, this is when our, our, our babies were just born. Um, in November, uh, Christy and I, we went outside for a walk. And it was a decently nice day out that we were walking, but just kind of getting exercise. Uh, and we did this loop by our house. And by our house, we have a dollar store. And outside of the dollar store, uh, there was this guy. And, and he was probably close to my age, maybe a little bit older, maybe a little bit younger. I'm not totally sure. But he was a young guy. And uh, he, he stopped us and he just said, hey, uh, he said, the police uh, just took down my tent in the forest. Um, and he's like, it's, it's, it's cold. And so I'm looking to get downtown. Uh, but I need money for the bus so I can find somewhere warm to sleep tonight. And uh, we were walking, and all I had on me was nothing uh, except my cell phone. And so my first kind of thing was, like, well, I don't really, we don't ha- I don't have any cash. Like, I, can't, I can't give you, I don't have anything. Um, but then I was like, well, I, I have Apple Pay. Um, and so I was like, I can go get you some food. And so I went into the dollar store, um, and I just bought the guy a bunch of food, because you can ball out at the dollar store, right? <laughs> And so I, just, I bought him a bunch of stuff, food and drink, and I just said, here, um, like, I hope, you know, you have good luck. And again, he's like, do, do you think you could give me some cash? And at this point, I'm kind of like, all right, listen, buddy. Like, I, I gave you food. What more do you want? Um, and so I just said, again, sorry. But as I was walking home and as I later got home, I just began to have this sinking feeling like I should have done more. 
Um, and not only should have done more, I could have done more. Because the reality is this, I live about 35 seconds from the dollar store. And if I wanted to, I could have walked home, I could have got my wallet, I could have got some cash, I could have went to an ATM. But the reality is, as soon as I got home, although I felt like I should have done more, I began to make these excuses. Well, I got brand new babies at home. I'm tired, like I just, I just, gotta, I just gotta stop. And so what I did, I ended up doing nothing because it wasn't comfortable for me in that moment. And I looked back, and I look back sometimes, and I just wonder, I'm like, man, I wonder if there was something more that God wanted to do. But I put my comfort in front of my calling. And I just, I want to encourage us here because what I'm saying is that, man, God wants to do something through you. God wants to do something in your life, but it's going to come at an inconvenience to you. It's not always going to be comfortable, but what God calls us to do is to put comfort in front of calling. It's opposite, calling in front of comfort, calling in front of comfort. But what so many of us do is make excuses. Well, I just, I don't think I have time right now. I don't think I have enough talent. I don't think I have enough money. I don't think I have enough whatever it may be. And so we just stop. We just make excuses. I can't do this because. I won't do this because, because, because it's not comfortable for me. I heard a great story this week, though, in the opposite end. I was talking to someone. um, And we have this thing here called Kingdom Cruise. You guys ever heard of Kingdom Cruise? There are small groups. Come on, somebody. Join a Kingdom Crew. Start a Kingdom Crew. And one of our crews went out this week. And uh, uh, I think on Tuesday, um, and they just went downtown, and they just delivered pizzas to everyone that was there just to, to help people out, give, meet people's needs. Um, and it was really cool because I was talking to one of the girls in the group, and she just said, you know, all of us in our group, we just felt like we had this heart for service. Um, and the easiest thing to do would have been to wait, you know, for the church to organize something or to wait for, for, for all the things to line up in place. But we just realized if we all want to do this, we can do this. And they did it. Come on, somebody. And I, I just, it was just so amazing because I know for so many of us, the easiest thing to do is to make an excuse. The disciples said, send them away. Send them away. I just, I wonder in this room right now, how many of us have grown weary? I wonder in this room, how many of us have stopped praying We've made excuses where it's like, man, well, I haven't seen breakthrough yet, so I'm just going to give up. Because it's, it's easier to give up. It's easier to stop trying. It's easier just to say someone else will do it. Someone else will do it. Can I encourage you guys? What if we began to adopt the mindset, no one else is coming? If, it, if it's not me... I'm not going to believe anyone else will do it. The reason we put things off is because there's this mindset where it's like, well, someone else will do it. Someone else will step out. Someone else will give. Someone else will feed these people. Send them away. Look what Jesus says. He says, you feed them. The disciples say, send them away. We just, Jesus, you feed them. You feed them. If, if, if you're worried about them, if you're actually worried about their hunger like you said they are, you feed them. You do something about it. If you're actually worried about that friend, if you're actually worried about that family, you do something. Come on, somebody. You feed them. You feed them. It says this next. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Or are you expecting us to go and buy 
food for this whole crowd. For there were about 5,000 men there. That's just men. doesn't include women or children. Now, it's so interesting because the disciples... They're in the midst of Jesus, and they've seen Jesus do some cool things, and, and little do they know, or perhaps they do know, that they're actually in the presence of the greatest resource ever known to humankind. They are beside God incarnate in the form of Jesus. And their first reaction is to say, Jesus, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. They have the greatest resource, but their first reaction was, I don't think we have enough. Here's the point I want us to make. I just believe this to be true. And we read the whole story so we know what's about to happen. But I think so many times our mindset keeps us from experiencing the miraculous. Our mindset keeps us from experiencing the miraculous. Because here's the reality. This, this is just the reality. There was nothing wrong with what the disciples said. The disciples were just stating the facts. If I came here and I told you guys to feed people, 5,000 people, and I came here with five pizzas, you would be giving me the facts. Harrison, we only have... And so, if anything, what the disciples are doing here, they're being logical, if not practical. But I think sometimes what happens in life is that we're too practical. You guys ever been there? We're too practical. Everything is too black and white. There's five bread. There's two fish. There's 5,000 men. It's just not going to work. But one of the reasons, listen to this. Listen, the reason that we miss out on the miraculous is our mindset. It's not our God. Because the God who has all the resources in the world is there waiting. And I just believe this in my spirit that God wants to do the miraculous, not just in this church, but in each and every one of our lives. But the problem is we don't leave any room for God to be God. We're too logical. Because what happens in our lives, if there is no room for God to do something, then how can he do anything? Listen to this. The word miraculous Miracle, the, the very definition, connotates something that requires a divine intervention. That's what a miracle is. If you can do it on your own, it's not a miracle. If it can happen by logic, it's not miraculous. If it's not outside of your grasp, if it's not outside of your understanding, it's not a miracle. The problem is this. So many of us, most of us, I, we're all there. We don't leave any margin for the miraculous. And if there's no margin for the miraculous, we will never see the miraculous. You're like, what, what do you mean, Harrison? I, I would wager to guess this. The majority of us know exactly where our next meal is coming from. The majority of us know exactly where we're going to sleep tonight. The majority of us have everything sort of figured out. Can we just be real for a second? There's, there's really nothing in your life that, that goes beyond yourself. For, for most of us, everything that's going to happen in our lives, our bills, our, our plans, whatever it may be, we have it figured out. We're not requiring, we're not waiting on anyone else to help us or to do, we have it all figured out for the, for the majority. It's a blanket statement. But what I mean by that is that we have no margin in our lives in order for something miraculous to happen because everything that we're hoping for, everything that we're expecting, we can make happen ourselves. Everyone following? But what I'm saying is that if we do not have 
margin in our lives, we will never see the miraculous. One thing I hear from people all the time is this. They say, Pastor, I have trouble praying. I'm not really sure what to pray for. I'm not really sure how to pray. Can I suggest something? You don't have a prayer problem. You got a, you got a, you got a faith problem. You have a dream problem because there is nothing in your life that is driving you to prayer because you're pretty confident you can figure everything out yourselves. Listen for a moment. If you were not confident, if you didn't know what was next, if you don't know the plans, if everything is not secure, you're going to pray. I've never heard someone who has a sick family member say, I'm not sure what to pray for. I don't know how to pray. I've never heard someone who has cancer say, I'm I'm not sure what to pray. Because the very disease a lot of time drives us to something that is outside of ourselves because we know there's nothing we can do. I think probably right now with everything that's happening in our world, maybe it's driving some of us to pray. But I want to suggest something because I'm just going to speak this right now. This whole thing is going to pass. This too will pass. Have faith, have belief. This isn't the end. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. And so outside of all of this, I don't want us to only pray when there's tragedies or sickness. I don't want the only things we're believing for in life to be just good health if someone is sick. Because especially here in North America, there is a lot of us, there is nothing in our lives that actually drives us to prayer. There is nothing in our lives that is too big, that is too scary, that is too much that I just need God to do. You want to know what's next? Next is a vision for your life that is so big, that is so audacious, that is so above you, it's going to drive you to the Lord. You should clap your hands because I'm declaring that over you right now. We don't got a prayer problem, we have a dream problem. We have a faith problem. We're not believing for things that are bigger than ourselves. Now understand this, because this is the beauty of what God does. Jesus says, you feed them. And he says that knowing full well they don't have the resources to be fed. But here's what God wants to do in our lives. God wants to give us a vision that goes beyond our resources. Did you catch that? God wants to give you a vision for your life that goes beyond your resource, that goes beyond what you can actually do, what you can actually see, what you can actually dream, what you can actually believe. Vision beyond our resource. I want you guys to understand something because this is how God works. The vision that God has for you is bigger than what you have. The history of our church. We started Kingdom Church uh, in our basement of our house and At most, it can fit probably about 23, 24 people. Uh, That's where our church started. And in that basement, what we would do is we just declared what we believe that God put on our hearts, that we're going to go and we're going to reach people, that God has a plan, that God has a vision, and it's going to be awesome and it's going to be amazing, all of these things. But listen to this. From the very moment that we opened our mouths in that basement, the vision was bigger than the resources that we had. Because we didn't have a building, we didn't have money, we didn't have people. But the vision that God gave went beyond our resources because that's what God does. God wants to give you something beyond yourself. God wants you to believe for something bigger than what you can believe. It's vision beyond resource. Listen, as soon as the disciples laid out all the facts, well, this is what it is. They're not giving God room to work. They're giving him no margin for the miraculous. 
Write that one down. We need margin for the miraculous. We need space in our lives for God to work. I just, I, I just, I want to encourage you. I want you to just come to the Lord. Seek the Lord. God, what do you have for my life? Because I think there are so many people, our tendency, our natural inclination is to when things get tough, we stop. We give up. We're too logical. We're too fact-based. Well, we got science now. And so we stop. I want to tell you guys a story. And uh, it's, it's about two people in our church. I'm not going to say their names. You can probably figure out who they are, but um, they serve on our team, and it's a husband and wife, and um, they went through a season where uh, they needed some extra money, and and listen, I'm telling you guys the story because I want to show you what happens when we give God margin in our lives. they went through a season where they needed some extra cash. At the time, uh, the husband, he was the only one working. He's working full-time, supporting their family of five. Um, but they needed some extra cash, and so what they did, they did two things. Number one, uh, his wife got a job as a receptionist, um, and he started picking up shifts in the evening at Boston Pizza, um, which meant very long days for him because he worked full-time job and then went and worked in the evenings. Um, and then his wife got a job as a receptionist, and we were happy for her um, because they needed some extra cash. Um, but as soon as she got that job, um, she came to me, and, and again, she serves a big part of our team here. She said, Harrison, like, I got the job. Um, it's awesome, but the only problem is, uh, she's like, I can't be here anymore because um, I have to work um, on Saturdays. And so at first, I was kind of just like, okay, um, super sad. This sucks. I'm disappointed. Um, but, you know, if you need money, right, like you need your kids to be fed, bills paid, all that stuff. I said, it is what it is. But um, a little time went past, and I just sort of felt that this, this kind of in- inclination from the Lord that I need to speak to them, and I need to just, just tell them something. And so we met with them, and I just, I just talked, and I said, you know what? Like, I'm never going to tell you to quit your job. I'm never going to tell you to do any of this, but I want to encourage you. What if you went to these people, to your bosses, and you just said to them um, that you do something very important to you on Saturday mornings? that you serve at a place called Kingdom Church, and so you want to have Saturday mornings off so you can continue to serve at this church. I was just like, what if, what if you just told them that and just, just see how it goes? And she's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, I'm really scared. I'm really nervous. And so I remember the day um, she went in, and she just texted me. She's like, I'm about to do it. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm like, you're going to be all right. I'll pray for you right now. And so she went in. Um, she spoke to them. She said, hey, I don't want to work on Saturdays. Um, because I want to go to my church. And literally, they were just like, okay, um, sure, we'll give you Saturdays off. Um, just like that, um, which is amazing in and of itself. Um, but the story gets better. So in that time when the husband's working the full days now, like literally full days, um, and in the same time frame this all happened, um, he went to work one evening, his second job, um, and his first job had a work party, and uh, his boss found out that he was working a second job um, because he couldn't go to the work party. And so his boss called him and he said, hey, I understand you're working a second job. He's like, I want you to come to the work party. Um, he's like, what I'm going to do, he's like, I'm going to give you a raise today, but you have to quit that job. And so he said, okay. Um, and he got a raise. And now I'm really confused why no one's clapping their hands right now. But... What you need to understand, listen to this, is for so many of us, when we get to that door, when we get to that wall, when we get to that impossible, we stop. We think this is it. 
This is the end. That's it. But look what happens when we give God margin. When we say, God, I'm going to need you to show up. God, I'm going to need you to do. God opens doors. And God does more than we could. We just wanted the Saturday off. We got more than we could ever bargain for. We need to give God margin in our lives to do the miraculous. I'm going to talk about tithing for a second. Can I talk about tithing for a second? Some of you guys are like, what's tithe? The tithing is the practice uh, where we give the first 10% of our income to the Lord. And to understand this, I don't believe in any way that tithing is a requirement. I believe it's a, it's a, it's a great practice that the Lord gives us, but it's not a requirement by any, needs, by, by any means. But the reason that God, I think, puts this in place, this idea where it's like, you know what, let's, let's, let's give the first 10% of your income is because I think what God is asking us to do is God is asking us to have some margin in our lives. Because here's the reality. I know so many people that have 100% of their money, but they still feel like they don't have enough. It's like, oh my gosh, like I just, you don't know what I want. The bills, the travel, the, the this, the that. I, I just, I just, I have this crazy belief that one of the reasons that God, that God encourages us to give 10% of our income, the first 10%, is so that we can now have margin for him to be in our lives. Listen, tithing is not about generosity. Because some people are like, man, I'm generous in other areas. I, I serve and um, I'm on the team and all these things, whatever it may be. Tithing is not about generosity. Understand that. Tithing is about faith. When we give above and beyond, that's generosity. Tithing is about faith. It's, to, it's the faith to say, God, I believe that you can actually do more with my 90% than I can do with 100%. And so I'm going to give you the margin to be God in my life. I'm going to give you the margin to show up. I'm going to give you the margin to do the miraculous. But for so many of us, we have this mindset. It's, it's a deficit mindset. I don't have enough. I just, I just, I couldn't. I don't have any more time. I don't have any more hours in my week. I can't serve. I can't help. I don't have time. I don't have talent. I don't have treasures. And so our mindset keeps us from the miraculous. But what if what God wants to do is create some margin in our lives for him to move? One thing that we're doing in this church starting this week is we're putting margin now, as a church plant, as a brand new church, um, a lot of times, especially for me as I lead this church, it's easy to get into survival mode, which is like, let's just make it, let's just pay the bills, let's just do this, let's just do that, whatever we have to do. But one thing I felt heavy on my spirit this week, and it was confirmed by many different people in many different ways, um, we're doing a new practice here at church where every single month from our budget, we are giving money away to two places to one place internationally and one place locally to help spread mission that goes beyond ourselves. Now, the reason that we're doing this and the reason that I'm telling you this is because it's so easy to get in a mindset that says we can't do this because here's the reality. The, our budget was passed by our board, approved two weeks ago. The Lord gave this message last week after the, <laughs> after the budget was approved. And understand this, the budget that we had, it was by faith that we're going to make that budget. But I love what God does sometimes. God says, guess what? I'm going to give you, you need some more margin. You need some more room for me to show up. And that's why we're doing this. 
And that's why we're partnering with people outside of ourselves because we're going to give margin to God to say, God, number one, we're believing that you're going to make this happen. We're believing that our finances will be fine, but we're also believing that you have missions outside of just this church that we want to partner with. There are people that we want to partner with that are doing things that we aren't doing. And so we're going to come alongside with them, but we have to give margin. Now understand this. What we're about to give away, it may not seem a lot to a lot of people, but the reality is this. In our times, in our lives, a lot of times the hardest thing that we'll ever give away is the first thing that we give away. It's the first time that we do it. And the reality of giving is this. The very first time you give something, it usually pales in comparison to one day what you will give. But I just think there is something so hard about doing this, and that is why I believe that God is calling us to do this right now. Because I also had another crazy word from the Lord that I want to share with you guys that I believe is going to happen in this church. And it's so crazy, I I wrestled all week and I said, God, is coronavirus a reason for me to not preach so I don't have to share it? God said, and I just felt it in our spirit, that in Kingdom Church, there is going to come a day when we're going to give away $1 million. We're going to give away $1 million to something... Now understand this, I've never seen a million dollars, I've never sniffed a million dollars. This church, not close. But understand this, the reason that I believe that God is putting this practice in place for our church right now is because if we don't do this right now, we would never be able to do it later when we have more margin. And so I just believe this to be true. I can't wait for that day, and I don't know if it's going to be me, the person that's there, but whoever, the day that we do it, I don't think it's going to be as hard as it was today to give away what may seem small in comparison. But that's how God works. Listen to this, church. Whatever God is calling you to do in your life, the direction that he has set, the course that he has for you, it may seem hard now, but he's setting you up for something great in the future. You want to know what faith is? Faith is starting where you're at. You know what that means this week for some people? For some of you guys are saying, okay, this is the week I'm going to step into my calling then. I'm going to start serving because I've been feeling it for a while. I'm I'm going to text that person. I'm going to call that person that's been heavy on my spirit for a long time. I'm going to call them. I'm going to go for lunch with them. I'm not going to give up on that person that God has put on my spirit. It's been hard. It's been inconvenient. But I'm just believing that if I'm faithful in this little thing, that God has so much more for us. Our vision for this church, we say our vision is for the one. You know why we start for the one? Because you're never going to be for the hundred if you're never for the one. That's, that's where we start. Faith is starting where we at. And here's the thing. Here's the reality. We live in a world, we live in a time where we praise the final result. Like what it looks like at the end of the journey. That's what we praise. And people love to see big things. That day that we give away a million dollars, I don't even like saying it, it still scares me. Um, There'll be great praise, but the reality is that no one will ever have seen what happened over here. We just see the end. You want to know how I know this is true? In the story that we read here today in Luke chapter 9, it makes no mention of where the bread and where the fish came from. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three Gospels in our Bibles and really the oldest of the four Gospels, None of them make mention of where the bread and where the fish came from. They mention the miracle, but they don't really mention the sacrifice. 
And now it's funny because John's gospel is, is the fourth one and, and is written the latest. So it was written after Matthew, Mark, Luke. And so I can't help but believe John, who was there, has read their accounts. And he's like, yeah, guys, that's great, but you're leaving out one detail. You didn't tell us where the bread and the fish came from. You, you forgot something, because that's what we focus on the miracle, but a lot of times we don't recognize the sacrifice. So John fills in some details. In John chapter 6, it says this. It says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will this really go among so many? And so taking all these accounts together, Prince, I'm looking at you. Can you give me some keys real quick? Just because I don't, come on. Love you, Prince. Here's a boy with five fish, five breads, five loaves of barley and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? In other words, like, what are we going to do with this? Now, as we know how the story ends, we know what's about to happen to this small sacrifice. But there are a few details that we learn in this story. Number one, what we learn is that more likely than not, this boy was poor. How do we understand that? It's because barley was the grain of the poor. And so this was a poor boy. And so as we try to put this picture together, I can almost imagine this little boy, he comes there to see Jesus. And his mom, his mom, maybe she's there. Maybe she's not, but she sends him with this, this, this thing and says, hey, just, this is what we got right now. Just take it. And so there's this moment where there's this giant crowd of people and they're around and, and, and I think people begin to hear and they can hear this conversation. The disciples are saying, man, the people are hungry. The people are hungry. Jesus says, you feed them. It's like, well, we don't have anything. And I just imagine this moment where this little boy, either the disciples went around or maybe he heard this conversation, but he's like, hey, I have something. It's not much. It's the worst kind of bread. I got five small barley loaves and two small fish, which is the equivalent of one meal. That was one meal. He's like, I got, I got one meal. But Jesus here is yours. You see, when we give God margin, we can see the miraculous. It's not much, God, but I'm gonna give you everything. And what God does, God takes it and he multiplies. Listen to this, friends. You wanna know what faith is? Faith is just faithfulness. It's just faithfulness. It's just listening to that inclination. It's listening to that, that nudge in our spirits. It's listening to that word that we feel that God has given us. It's saying, God, it doesn't make sense. I don't even know if it all adds up right now, but I'm going to be faithful. Every act of faith was first an act of obedience, an act of faithfulness just listening to what God has to say. And this boy in this moment, he's often overlooked because we look at the miracle. But I want us to see the sacrifice. And so back in Luke chapter nine, it says, so all the people sat down and Jesus took five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, look at this, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Can I suggest that God wants to give you more than you actually need? 
God wants to make our cups overflowing. God wants, a million dollars is crazy, but man, like I, I just wonder what God wants to do more. That's all we can see right now. And I don't know when it's gonna happen. I don't know what it's gonna look like. But listen to that. That's just, that's just something that I, I wanna share with you guys, but more practically in our lives. Whatever you feel, because I just believe this to be true. In this moment, you feel a nudge. You feel an urge. It's an urge to serve. It's an urge to give. It's an urge to not give up on that person, to keep praying for that person, to keep inviting that person. It's that whatever you're feeling, it's just be faithful to that. It's just be faithful to that. Because here's the reality that I want to leave us with this morning. Whatever you put in, whatever we input, God's output always exceeded. When God enters our equation, his output will always exceed your input. And so whatever it is right now in your life, you think, oh my gosh, it's just too much. I just don't know if I can. It's just, God, that's a lot. Guess what? Whatever God asks you to put in, he's going to bring something out so much better than what you put in. But it starts with faith and it starts with faithfulness. It says that he broke the bread and there was leftovers for everyone let's just stand for a moment church I think this message comes for just a time as right now I think that as our lives go as the world goes we don't know what's next but I think that God's about to call us to do something I think as a church we need to be there And so I just want to encourage you, whatever God puts on our hearts, whatever God is pushing you to do, let's not wait another day. Let's be faithful, let's be obedient, and let's just do it because God wants to do more than we could ever dream or hope or imagine. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. What we want to do is we close this service. We just want to give everyone the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. If you've never made this choice before, maybe you want to make a recommitment. What you're saying, you're saying, I want, I want to follow Jesus. I want to give Jesus my heart. I want to follow him all the days of my life. I don't know what's next, but I want to walk this walk with Jesus. I want to give my life to him. If that's you this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, I just want to give you the simple call to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to count to three, and all we ask you to do is raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Everyone that's given their life before, they're praying for you right now. They're believing for you right now. If that's you this morning, I'm going to count to three. Just show me your hand. In three, two, one, just show me your hand. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Everyone say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. God, I give you my everything. I give you my wins and I give you my sins. I pray, Lord, you make me a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this space. God, I pray right now for every person in this room for peace, for protection, for hope in your name, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that whatever you're urging us to do, wherever you're calling us to go, whatever you want us to put in, God, 
I pray that we are faithful to that call. Help us to believe the promises that you made to us, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name, everyone said. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to see you in person. So plan your visit today. Until next time, take care.